0: Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.
2: You are listening to the Life Autistic Podcast with Ryan Summers. When I hit my 40s, after a lifetime of thinking, what the fuck is wrong with me? I finally discovered that I was undiagnosed autistic. This podcast is my journey, my discoveries, learning about autism, about my autism, about life with autism and having conversations with other autistic adults, sharing our experiences, relating to one another. And hopefully, anyone listening can learn a little bit about us, learn a little bit from us about the life autistic. Available on any podcast app that you use. Hope you enjoy and give us a shout if you got questions or comments. Thank you.
1: Nebuchadnezzar. Nice. It's omnipolo. It's uh double IPA. Fucking dope.
0: <laughs> yeah, they have a lot of cool breweries around here.
1: Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah.
0: Um I went to um
1: Paul is the rep for Bowls. What's that? The beer you're drinking? Yeah. My- Paul lives in London. He's the rep for them for Southwestern Ontario.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah, I know them from um, when I lived in Newmarket. There was a first brewery there, and it was called uh, Hungry Brew Hops. And they used to c- always come to do uh, tap takeovers. Nice. And, um, yeah, they're nice guys. Yeah, cool. Actually, they gave me the a shirt and a hat a while ago. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Cool. All right. So we're talking to my friend, Ryan Summers. Dude, it's been 20 years. Yeah. Ish, I don't want to age either of us. But like, so we met, I was a flower guy for REMG. You were promoting one of my favorite, well, my favorite weekly show to promote. It wasn't like work for me on Thursday nights when I had to do in divine style. It felt like just a pub night with the boys and listen to hip hop. Um, and then you did Battle Axe stuff, right?
1: I worked for them briefly. Yeah. Pretty briefly. Yeah.
0: And then you did, okay, Cobra and, um, a bunch of wrapping stuff. Yeah. So how did you get from there to now? Very short story. That's like 20 years. Oh. <laughs> <first. laughs> uh.
1: I don't know, man. I don't know. How do you get from <laughs> anywhere? It's like you just make one step, and then you make another step, and then you make another step, and and you look up one day, and there you are.
0: Yeah. Well, you moved to London after you left Toronto, right?
1: Yeah, dude. I went all over. Like, I left Toronto. I went to Montreal. I was in Montreal for a couple of years. Cause I was in T O. Like at the end, I was, I was doing a and r at universal and i was like still writing for a bunch of magazines like vice and different shit like that and um doing the night and i just was burnt out you know what i mean yeah going hard for years like for years like just 24 7 going hard and i just was like um i need a fucking break and i was just writing and writing but never like recording or doing anything so I ended up going to Montreal. I went up there to visit a couple times and like hooked up with my homeboy, uh, Tim, record face. And he had just done like a little EP with another buddy of mine, John, who I used to actually have a rap group with like way back in high school, like our first attempt at being MCs, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Did A little EP and it was super dope and the beats were super dope. And I was like, went up and hooked up with them in the studio one night, we did a little track together. Tim and I were talking, and at the time, I started seeing this girl up in Montreal, and I was in Toronto, so, like, Tim was there, he had a studio there, so I just was like, fuck it, man. I just, I, it was, at that point, I just wanted to, like, make make music, you know? And I was kind of done with all the, like, industry shit. I'd learned a lot, but I just, it wasn't really for me. I didn't want to be, like, a guy in a label office or something like that, you know? I was always kind of an industry, like, outsider. Like, I never really was like an industry guy you know i sort of snuck in the back door and they tolerate they tolerated me for a little while but that, it was never really my thing you know what i mean like yeah and, and there's a lot of reasons for that that i didn't really discover until like 20 years later Of like oh shit like i didn't know back then that i was um autistic or any of this stuff you know what i mean mm-hmm. so, uh i just thought oh why am i having fucking anxiety attacks all the time, (laughs) you know what I mean, like uh, crazy shit, so I uh, moved to Montreal, recorded a bunch of shit with Tim, ended up then going back to London for a while, um, stayed in London for a bit, and then I don't know what what happened after that? I was in London for a couple of years, did a couple of albums with Tim. With okay. Cobra went, you know, we had a good time. Like we toured across Canada a few times and hit Europe a few times. And that was super fun. And then I ended up going to BC. Cool. I, I was, I, I went out to BC, like just on tour and I just fell in love with it. And my little brother and his wife had moved out there. And I just wanted to, you know, I just got sick of winter really. And I ended up in BC for like five,
2: six years.
0: I was just listening to one of your episodes on your podcast and you were seeing how um, you were like, I kept this with me because I thought it was totally amazing because I always thought you were a very social man, but it was like you, the way you picked up smoking is because you had an excuse to go to another room or go outside and you just had like these mini conversations with people, but you'd never really had a full conversation with anyone at a party. And they're like, Oh yeah, Ryan was there. Yeah. You know, was that like, did that come into the industry thing? Like when you were promoting and
1: I don't know, it's like, you know, I, I drank a lot too back in those days because yeah. that, you know, self-medicating for the, the whole like awkwardness, social anxiety and all that stuff. Yeah, Like back in those days When I first knew you Like when i go to Indivine Style I'd be two or three beers in Before I got there Just at home Sorting through records Like deciding what I'm going to bring for the night And I'd be like Drinking a beer in the shower You know Getting ready to go And so that by the time I got there I'd already had two or three Heinekens I was like Okay I can deal with, I can kind of deal with people And as soon as I'd get there To Indivine Style To the club The manager of the club Fucking awesome guy, Sal. I don't know where he is now, but I love him. It was our tradition every night, as soon as I got there, we'd sort of check I'd check in with him, say hey, see how things are going. He'd check in, see how things are going on our end, what's the plan for the night, blah, blah, blah. And then we'd always do a shot of Jagger. So it was like by the time anyone else showed up, I was I'd already had a shot or two of jagger and I was on my fourth beer. And that was just me getting to like a level where I could like function socially you know what I mean um but yeah I mean I, I, and it it's 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 funny like you know that part you're talking on the podcast like I look back on those things and it's like I didn't know it at the time you know what I mean you look back and you understand why you did things yeah and at the time you don't know why you're doing it like uh and yeah I, I used to be at parties and yeah like I said like you said like on the podcast like kind of like just bounce from conversation to conversation and kind of be all around. So if you asked anyone, they'd be like, Oh yeah, he was there. Like I saw him a whole bunch. Like we hung out, we partied, whatever, whatever. But like, I would feel like I wasn't even really there because the whole time I was just trying to figure out how not to feel out of place.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like if I felt even slightly like not quite sure. I would just have it figure out a, a reason to like leave that conversation or leave that room and go, you know, whatever, figure something else out. So, yeah, it's funny. You look back and it's like, holy shit, man. Like, <laughs> you know, I wonder how many, how many other people were feeling that way too, because it's like that's part of, part of life too is like you always just assume that everyone else has their shit together and that you're the one that's fucked up,
0: you know? Exactly. Yeah.
1: That's a lot of people that are fucked up.
0: And how did you get to the diagnosis?
1: Well, for me right now, I don't have an official medical diagnosis. Like, I don't have a rubber stamp from a doctor right now. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I am self diagnosed at this point. Uh, I am going through that process. We could talk about just that process for three hours like, what it's like for an undiagnosed adult. Like, the whole late diagnosis process in adulthood is it's crazy because here's what happens when you make it to your 30s or 40s or 50s or whatever and you're autistic and you've never been diagnosed you've spent your whole life hiding your autism Mm -hmm. and your whole life creating and running software programs in your own brain to hide the things that make you different so you all of your stims You try to suppress all of your anxiety, um, all the things that are uncomfortable, like eye contact, everything else. You you force yourself to make it. Like I tell people, like when I talk to people, it's very unnatural for me to make eye contact. But I can do it because I've spent my whole life training myself how to do it. And even right now, it's weird. I'm looking at a phone. I'm running. I run a software program in my brain when I speak that's like tells me to look away, tells me to look back, tells me to look away, tells me to look back. And all of that is happening like semi-consciously. Like I'm aware that I'm doing it. When I talk to people and I tell people it's like this, like when I'm having a conversation with you, I'll look away. And then it's like my brain has to go like this and keep turning my head back to look at you. You know what I mean? I don't do it with my hand, but I do it with my brain. And then it's like the whole time I'm looking at you, I'm like, okay, I'm looking away now. And then I'm thinking, have I looked away long enough? And now I look back and now do I want to look at them for how long? One second, two seconds, three seconds. And then do I look this way again? Or do I look this way now? Or do I look up or down? Do I look back again? Do they know that I'm looking away too much? Is it weird? Do they think I'm looking at them too much or not enough? Like all that, all that shit's happening in my brain while we're talking. It's wow like, so it's like and that's what it's like to be to to be autistic it's like you're running you're creating and running all of these software programs on your own hard drive constantly and they take up um they take up ram so what happens is the actual all the stuff that's natural for other people for neurotypical people It's just the flow of a conversation. And the same thing is like with body language, hand gestures, uh, facial expressions, changes in tone of voice, all of those things we struggle with. So it's like if I'm talking to you and we're having a conversation and suddenly your tone of voice changes, I have to consciously figure out what that means. Whereas a neurotypical person just understands your tone of voice means something. And you just have this unspoken language that, you know, most, the majority of people have where they just kind of understand each other's body language and each other's uh, vocal things and facial expression. But I don't understand that stuff. So to me, it's like, if your facial expression changes or whatever, I have to like consciously look at it and be like, okay, what does that mean? So then I have to run this program like it's like this search in my head to be like okay searching my database of like past conversations like what does that facial expression mean okay I think it means this I think it means that and it's like I'm doing this while I'm talking to you so anyway back to the question so what happens is a lot of people who go through their whole life without a diagnosis they're creating and running all of these programs on their own hard drive to hide their autism But then what happens is there's layers of that. So you end up in adulthood. You can get these people that have your whole life. You've had like depression and anxiety and symptoms that look like PTSD type symptoms and stuff that looks like bipolar and like all these other things. So my whole life I've had depression and anxiety and like bipolar type uh, phases, you know, Mm -hmm. like from i thought i was bipolar i thought i just had depression i thought i had anxiety i was like what is going on but then when i finally um discovered um autism it was like everything else fit under that umbrella yeah it it explained all of it because i i read this book um in the last like 18 months i've read about a dozen different books and like videos and fucking online articles and everything And I've, like, suspected I was autistic my whole adult life. I've always, like, I've read articles written by people who had Asperger's, and I've been like, holy shit, I could have written that. But I also had this sort of, like, what I've learned recently is kind of this, like, ableist attitude where I would see other people who were autistic, and I was, like, not as obviously autistic as they were. So I thought, well, this is weird. Like, I feel – Like, when I read about autism, everything makes sense. When I read articles written by autistic people, I feel like I could have written them, but I don't, like, present in, like, an obviously autistic way. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then I think about, like, the more I research and the more I've learned, it's, like, a lot of the stuff that I I do, some stuff that I do when I'm alone that I don't do in public and other things like that, so um i started reading i started getting really into it like like a year a year plus ago in the winter and i was like my relationship was like on the verge of falling apart and i was like what is going on i'm like i gotta figure out what the fuck is wrong with me and then i i started just really going okay like i came back to this like okay what is is it depression is it anxiety is it adhd is it this is it that and I started researching autism again. Cause I'm like, I have these autistic traits, these autistic tendencies, like, is it autism? What is it? And then the more and more I read, and then I started doing some like online testing and my numbers were like full on. Like there's one um, called the AQ test, the autism quotient. And I did that one. And it's like, you can get up with this score out of 50. And it's like, if the score is 33 or above, then autism is likely. Well, I scored 45. So I went, okay, this is pretty real. And then I thought, well, let me just do a little test on that. So I sent the test to like three of my good friends. I said, hey, you guys take this test because you're going to be my control group. And they all scored around 20, like 19, 20, and 22 or something like that. You know, Mm -hmm. And I scored 45. So I went, okay, this is is fucking it. And then I gave it to my partner to take the test. I think she scored nine. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean so I went okay so then I read this book um, by Philip Wiley called um, Asperger's Diagnosis Late in Life and he was that di- he wasn't diagnosed till his 50s and he wrote this book and it kind of like goes through all the steps that he went through and talks about like common commonalities with people who are autistic who don't get diagnosed till late in life and I read this book and like Every single page, I was like, holy shit, this is me. <laughs> like I was like, this it, it was like it was written for me. Like every single thing he talked about, I'm like, my life's been like that. That's how I feel, that's what I've gone through, that's exact. And I just every single page, I pulled out the highlighter, and then I was really like, I don't even have to highlight this book because I will just highlight the entire fucking book because it's yeah. all in me. So that made me just go, holy shit. And then I joined um an autism support group down in London which was fucking huge. Um, and the first meeting there, I was like, it was like the weirdest thing. It was like feeling like, ah, oh, I'm in a room of my people and I've never met my people before. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like imagine being like eight feet tall and you live in a world full of people that are six feet tall and you feel like you're the only one. And then one day, Somebody says, "Hey, there's this meeting with tall people. You should go check it out." And you walk into this room full of like seven, eight, nine foot tall people, and you've never seen anyone your height before, like in person. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Just it was it was crazy. I was like, "Oh wow!" Like I was like, "I'm home." You know. Um, So anyway, I'm in the process. Another thing that's really common. Sorry, I'm rambling here, but it's a long. It's I'll, I'll 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 circle back to what you're saying. The 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 process because these. What I'm talking about is because people who are quote unquote higher functioning are, have been able to mask these symptoms their whole life. It's hard to get a diagnosis because you walk into the doctor's office and you say, Hey, I think I'm autistic. And the doctor goes, what the fuck are you talking about? You're 40, whatever years old. Like they would have figured that out in elementary school. And then I go, well, actually, I was in elementary school in the eighties and they didn't start even looking at it, looking for it until the nineties. So, you know, they didn't even look for autism in schools until the nineties. And I graduated high school in 95. So I was ahead of that curve. You know what I mean? And a lot of us were. And, but then I I went to see a psychologist and she was like, "Um, it's like, She's like, well, you know, you're looking at me in the eye. You're making eye contact. So that's not an autistic trait. And I'm like, yeah, but that's because I've taught myself how to do that. And I'm running a program, Uh, you know. So anyway, um, I finally found a place in Guelph uh, that specializes in in autism and ADHD. And all of the counselors and doctors there either have – Autism or have ADHD or both, and um, I was just in the process of starting to do like the official diagnosis process with them, but then that shut down with this whole virus situation. Yeah. Um, so uh, just because you know I'm laid off right now, so money's a bit tight. It costs money. It's it's costs like five five six hundred bucks to go through this process. Um, I just don't have that right now. So, um, like I can't spare that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'll start that process again, but yeah, I mean, everyone I talked to, even the people, when I went to that first, uh, 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 support group meeting, um, it was a great group, but, um, there were a couple of people at that meeting that told me they're like, Hey, like this expect, cause I was just at the beginning of my journey then and they're like, yeah, expect this process of trying to get a diagnosis to take at least two years. And another thing, like in all the books I read, they say the same thing. They're like, you're going to get resistance from the medical community. You might have to go to three, four different doctors until you finally find a doctor that even understands. Most doctors are not trained in autism; they don't know how to recognize it uh, in a high, in like sort of a higher functioning level. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, most autism, most of the focus in autism is on kids. So there's this whole fucking giant group of people these adults that are undiagnosed and are walking around their whole lives thinking that there's something fucking wrong with them. And then they got to figure it out. And that's the reason why I started the podcast. Cause I was like, there's not a lot of information out there. And I know there's a whole bunch of other people going through this shit like me. So I started it and it's been amazing to talk to different people uh, who are going through the same shit. And it's like so many times I talk to them and it's like, they tell me their story and I'm like, Holy crap. And I feel like I'm talking to myself, you know? Yeah. Um, so anyway, long story short or short story long, whatever it is, uh, that's it. So I'm in, I'm in this sort of self-diagnosed pro stage right now, which is the, which is the stage that has to happen before you get an official medical diagnosis, which I'm in the process of getting, uh, um, and there we go. So, and I don't, you know, I, I want to get that done. I'm not totally sure why, but I I think it's something that
2: I do want to have.
1: I don't have any doubt in my mind. Like I've done so much research on this and I'm a pretty smart guy. I can figure things out that in my brain, I have no, I spent my whole life going, what the fuck is wrong with me? And then I finally figured it out, you know, and I have no doubt in my brain. This is what it is. Uh, It explains everything that I haven't been able to explain before. Um, And all these things I've dealt with my whole life, like, you know, there's this anxiety and depression and cycling through addictions and, and, And uh, like ADHD and problems with executive function and problems with like sensory input and all this other stuff, um, stimming, stuttering, like all these things I've gone through. I was just like, wow, why am I so fucked up? Like I've got so many things wrong with me. And then when I discovered and researched this Asperger's or autism spectrum disorder thing, it was like, oh, all of that shit fits under this. And it, it, it's the one thing that explains everything else I've been dealing with. So it's like, okay, it was like a fucking light bulb went on. I was like, all right, you know, and another thing, sorry, one more thing about it is I think there's also like a bit of internalized shame that goes on. Um, Like, I always have been like a pretty smart person. Like I'm, you know, top 2% IQ wise, like I'm pretty intelligent. But like, as far as functioning in life, like I suck. You know what I mean? Like, I can I can understand like pretty like big abstract concepts, but like I can't remember to pay my phone bill or put on pants. You know, mm-hmm. like it's kind of that kind of thing. But I always thought like, no matter what, I'm like I can figure it out. I can figure it out. I don't need any help. Like I'm smart enough to figure out what's going on with me. But I, you know, but the, but I read a quote from somebody that said. You know, like when you're autistic, you spend your whole whole life trying to get to the starting line where everyone else started from and you never get there. And then when I read that, I went, okay, like this makes sense. I, I can't spend any more time trying to get to a place where I'm going to be like everyone else because I just have to accept the fact that I'm not like everyone else. I'm like me. I'm like other autistic people who are like me. And in order for me to be happy and live the best life I can live for however much left of it I'm going to have. And for my family and for my child, like if I keep trying to be normal or like everyone else, I'm going to keep failing at that. And I'm going to keep being depressed and upset and frustrated and having issues with anxiety. If I just accept who I am and I make that my starting place, then I'm going to be in a better place to actually figure out what I can do and how I can do it and learn. And that's why like all these, the podcast that I'm doing has been a huge help for that. Yeah. Uh, and, and the support group as well. And I'm, I'm I go to the support group in London and I'm actually starting two more, one in Huron County and one in Stratford, just because the resources aren't there for adults. And I know there's more people like me who, who would love to have someone to talk to. You know. Sorry, I rambled in. The thing with me is you're either going to get like a two-word answer or a 2,000-word answer.
0: Um. So uh, you were saying about that. Um. Hey,
1: dude. Sorry. One sec.
0: Yeah. Is it if the phone is
1: sideways or is it better this way or does it matter?
0: It doesn't really matter. I like it. I like it sideways. There we go. Sorry. Now we match.
1: Yeah. What's the, what the
0: fuck is that? Oh, that's my hat. Oh, yeah. Okay i'm like behind me thanks Um,
1: yeah anyway
0: um yeah so you were saying that you know like um you'd rather be happy now like this has brought the the self-diagnosis brought more happiness to you right because now you're like well now i know what's going on with me
1: yeah Now i'm learning my i'm learning what's happening in my brain like i'm learning um dude i've got like a stack like a three foot high stack of books I've bought in the last year about autism and written by people who have gone through this shit and I'm learning like how my brain is working so it's like here's an example of something like I when I go to social situations like say it's like a Christmas family dinner right like say my partner I go to her mom's house for a Christmas holiday meal And like both her brothers are there and their partners and like kids and maybe a couple cousins or mom's there. And so there's this house and there's like, I went to one Christmas party from their family and there was probably like 40 or 50 people in in a house, right? For me, I can't handle that. Like more than about four or five people, like I'm comfortable with like one-on-one, maybe comfortable sitting with two people four i can do once you get to five i pretty much check out i'm only half really? in the conversation and once you get to like six or more people i'm not even a part of it i i can't even listen anymore i just tune right out so i'm at this christmas party and i'm meeting my partner's family and everyone's like it's christmas they're happy and i'm just like there's so much noise right i'm hearing 40 or 50 voices and like what happens with 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 this is my kind of brain is all the noise joins together so it just becomes a wall of mumble and i can't discern the different voices so you can imagine that's kind of tiring right like imagine no. imagine going imagine hearing 40 people speak backwards it just yeah. really like, so it just becomes this thing. My brain shuts down. So I'd go to these, I'd go to these like the Christmas party and I'm sitting there and I'm like, um, I kind of shut down. So I'm just sitting on an end of a couch in a corner. Like I'll pick up a magazine or something and I'm not even reading it. I'm just flipping through it. And I'm just like trying to, and I'm just trying to get through it. I'm not. And then my partner is like thinking I'm being antisocial, thinking I'm being rude Thinking I'm like not engaging with her family, like I'm kind of coming off like an asshole. I'm not meaning to, but now like with this, now that I kind of know what's going on, I'm able to. I was able to have that conversation with her and be like, "This is what happens. So this is why the, my brain just is shutting down. I can't. It's like a imagine a, a comp, like a laptop and you open like 40 tabs on your browser, right?" your browser slows down you mm-hmm. just get the f- spinning ball it's like that's my brain my brain is just a spinning ball and then someone asked me a question and i had go Grrr. and i try to respond and then they asked me a question and it's like and i'm like i'm not trying to be rude if i was with any of these people one on one or one on two or one on three i'd be okay and even then, like for like two hours, I'm okay. We were, but but the the thing is, it is making life a bit better because now I have explanations for things. I I understand things. I can I can articulate things. I can communicate that. And I also decided very early in my diagnosis process that I was going to be just totally open about it and public about it because I'm like I don't give a shit. Uh, I'm not. Gonna high, and I've always kind of been like that with shit in my life, right? Like, I'm like, whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. my music was like that too. Like, I'm pretty open book, right? Um,
0: you did that line in, um, uh, what's uh, that? You did that line in uh, your okay trap, your okay cobra track with uh, Bender. Um,
1: yeah, my life's an open book in a locked room. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, but I, I decided with this whole with this whole process to be very open about it and public about it. Uh, it's funny because this is another thing I learned in these like books I read and you know, other people's accounts that a lot of times like your family and close friends will not be supportive. They won't believe your diagnosis. They won't, they'll be like, you're full of shit or just you're making excuses or whatever it is. And I'm experiencing some of that. Like there's some family that's close to me that they won't even acknowledge it or talk about it or even... Acknowledge that this is real. There's other ones that are have said they're supportive. Uh, it's not my job to what other people think is not my job. You know yeah. what I mean? My job totally is what think. I. Do. Yeah. And and so you know, so I just decided, fuck it. I'm going to be public about this and just do it in the open, because that's kind of just how I feel. It has to be done, and I'm learning about it in the open, and I'm sharing what I learn in the open. But certain things have gotten easier. The self-acceptance has gotten easier for a lot of the things, because um, I'm I'm trying to let go of all the internalized shame and blame that I've had my whole life. Of like, why do I? Why am I so fucked up? Why do I fail at things? Because I'm like, I look at my life and I go, well, it doesn't really make sense. Because, okay, if you put a hundred random people in a room, there's one person in that room smarter than me. Like. I'm in the top 2% of IQ. So my brain works. I'm fucking smart. I'm also super creative. I can write. I can draw. I can make music. I always am thinking of original, out-of-the-box creative ideas. And I'm a f- fucking hard worker. Like my work ethic is I will I fucking work my ass off. I'll put in long hours and I'll just work, work, work and get the job done. So I look at my life and I go, well, what the fuck is wrong with me? Because I'm smart, I'm creative, and I work hard. But everything I touch that seems really amazing just ends up turning to shit. And I just fucking burn out or blow it up or fuck it up somehow. And for a long time, I internalized a lot of shame and guilt around that. Like, well, I suck. I'm a fuck up. I'm a loser. You know what I mean? And then now I'm like, oh, actually, no. Um, I have disabilities that I struggle with like I have difficulty in understanding communication with people. I have difficulty in organizing myself. I have difficulty uh, remembering things, you know? So those are not excuses going forward, but they are explanations for things in the past. So now I can understand those things and I can going forward, I cannot use those things as excuses, but I can, understand and learn about the things that i'm not good at and i can uh get help where i need it so that's the important part uh you know and it's and that's really important i'm a big believer in like you gotta just take care of your own shit i don't ask for shit from anybody i don't want i don't want sympathy i don't want anyone to be like oh man i'm so sorry like it must be really hard like fuck I don't want anyone to bend over backwards to make accommodations for me or anyone else. Like I'm like, life's fucking hard. Life's unfair. It's unfair for everybody. Some people are autistic. Some people are short. Some people are tall. Some people are skinny. Some people are fat. Some people don't have legs. Some people are smart. Some people are stupid. Some people are men. Some people are women. Some people are straight. Some people are gay. Some people are white, black, yellow, fucking red, whatever the fuck. You know what I mean? Any situation any of those people walk into, certain characteristics or traits they have could be of benefit or of detriment based on the context of the situation that they're in. I'm in a minority of people as far as uh, functionality goes being uh, on the autism spectrum, but I don't ever, I don't ask for any, I don't want to ask for anything. I just want to be able to learn my, like what I can do that's also maybe there are some people who do need help. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah.
1: There are, there are obviously like the, the, in the U S they categorize autism in like three, like as one, two and three. And like, it's means just the categorization is based on like the level of support you need. So like level one is like quote unquote high functioning or like Asperger's they call it. Level two is like, you need more supports and level three is like the more severe support needed kind of thing. But, Anyway, I forget what the fuck you just asked me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now you were saying about, um, people around you now, like when I came out and said, so, you know, I recently became like a mental health advocate. i just something to go along with my, my, my podcast. And I've been doing a lot of like, um, just being real about, especially about counseling and how I still do counseling and everything. And, yeah. um. I'm just being really yeah. honest, I've always thought that people should, it shouldn't be such a taboo to go to counseling and people, it should be yeah. like, I'm going to the spa, basically. And yeah. um, now, since I've been doing that, a lot of people have reached out and been like, they're kind of tiptoeing around me, you know, they're like, Shane, are you okay? And yeah. it feels like I need to prove myself that, yeah. oh no, yeah. I, I'm in a good mood. I can yeah, do funny okay. things on Instagram to show yeah. you that I'm in a good mood. I'm not always sad. Is that like, do you get the same thing?
1: 100%. And, and you know A thing that, that I, I find is very real that I, I encounter is like, I, I know some people who are pretty close to me who work in the areas of mental health. And one thing I notice is that this shit's fucking dirty. You know what I mean? it's down and fucking dirty and unpleasant. And I think a lot of people want to talk about mental health. Like bell comes out with their whole let's talk shit. And everyone's like, Oh yeah, everybody mental health. And they share some meme of somebody sitting in a yoga pose and meditation with their fingers and mudras. And they're like, yeah, everyone mental health. And it's like, do you know what mental health really is? It's, like people, it's like when you're so fucked up, you don't even know what's going on. And like, I'm, I'm so fucking lucky in my life that I have had family and friends that have helped me out like more times than I can count. Because if I did not, I would be on the streets right now. I would probably be on hard drugs. And in fact, knowing that, I would probably be dead by now. Because I would have been on the streets doing hard drugs like 10, 15 years ago. 20 years ago, I could barely hold it together. There've been times in my life when I've hadn't been able to work for months. I've had like major breakdowns. I've had major depressive episodes that have lasted months. I've had like, uh, this been broke, like not even that long ago, my car was getting repossessed because I was like having work issues and, and couldn't keep up with bills and like, You know, and this is embarrassing. I'm, I, this is the kind of shit you're not supposed to talk about because people get embarrassed. They get socially embarrassed by this stuff and they don't want anyone else to know because it's embarrassing. Well, I'm like, fuck that. I'm not going to be embarrassed by it. I'm going to fucking tell you because this shit is fucking dirty. It's not fucking fun. I'm okay right now. I feel pretty good today. I had a good day today. You know what I mean? I'd say overall on like a day to day basis, like how I'm just doing, like as far as my mental health goes, I'm probably in a better place than i've been in a really long time uh i have this process to thank for that i have uh you know family and and, a, and a, uh um i can count on one head's like hand like a couple of close friends to thank for that but i have no i have no fucking um guarantee that i'm not going off the rails tomorrow do you know what i mean yeah it's like It's this situation where you have to be like hyper vigilant. Like I have like an occasional beer now and again. Now I used to be wasted every night. I used to smoke. I used to do all kinds of drugs. I used to do all kinds of crazy shit. I don't do any of that anymore, but I don't know that a week from now I won't be. I think I won't be because I don't, I know where that road goes and I don't want to go back down that road, but it's work to do that and it's also work to just try to function. I mean, I have I have like calendars and lists and post-it notes and all this shit just to try to keep my brain organized to just do daily shit. Like, I could go a month without changing the litter box unless I have it written down on my calendar to change the litter box cuz my brain just doesn't know. My brain can't stay organized. It, it forgets things, but it doesn't forget them in a way like, Oh, I knew I had to do something, but I, what was I supposed to do again? It forgets them. Like they just never existed. They just go poof and they were never there in the first place. So it's like trying to do this kind of stuff. And then, and then trying to like function and like, um, you know, in a relationship and as a parent, I mean, that just really hard, you know, but I, I know these, I, I, I feel like all this shit, like people pay so much lip service to to like, oh, yeah, mental health. Like, everyone just, if anyone needs a friend, like, I'll, I'll be there for you. Mental health, mental health. And I just kind of think so much of that is bullshit. and And I'm not calling anyone out because, hey, man, intentions are great. But what I'm telling people is that, you know, that's this, like, sort of cheesy sugar-coated thing of, like, mental health that everyone talks about but they don't know what it really is and it's fucking terrible you want to know mental like what mental health is in a bad way like go downtown and talk to some fucking addicts you know what i mean like that's that's mental health right there (laughs) it's not fucking easy it's not easy when you're dealing with it so um you know i'm and and that's one of the reasons why I, i just want to be super fucking straight open about this shit about my shit i'm not gonna keep anything a secret and the that's just because i feel like that's the thing that i can do is at the very least be as honest as possible so that other people maybe don't have to feel the embarrassment because i'll just feel it for you because i don't care you know like and not that i don't care It, it sucks to be embarrassed it sucks to be looked down upon it sucks to be judged I know all that stuff happens. There's probably people listening to this right now, judging me going, what a fucking idiot can't get a shit together making excuses for his life, blah, blah, blah. And if that's what you're, they feel like, then they can go fuck themselves because this is, I'm just telling you what reality is. And, uh, you know, um, that's my process is to just be open about it and just be, be real about it. You know?
0: And is there like lack of ed- education? Cause I find that there's people in my life who use, the, use these uh, key words that you just do not say to someone who's going through it depression or anxiety, like how it's fake or that it's a burden on them or things like that. Um, yeah. is there, should there be more stuff about how to deal not even for us to how to deal with our depression or, you know, your SD, but how others should deal with people in their lives.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What I think, and this is, this is, I'm a big believer in this. It's like, when I look at any organization, I look at, do you have anybody in your organization who represents what your organization is about? Right yeah so say you there's a famous meme that goes around the internet it's like in saudi arabia they had like a conference on women's rights and it was a room full of only men right so you look at that picture and you're like well this is absolute utter horseshit you cannot have a conference about women's rights that does not include women in the conversation and to me that's like an important kind of Idea. It's like I look at, like, if you, if there are these, like, these nonprofit groups that are like, oh, we're all about mental health in the community. I go, okay, cool. How many people are on your payroll and work in your office who are fucked up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who are drug addicts, who are schizophrenics, who were abused as children and have depression and anxiety and have been on heroin for 20 years. And uh are hearing voices and you know what I mean? And Mm. I and I don't say this to be flippant or try to make light, but I, I absolutely fucking believe it. It's like there's organizations that are supposed to represent the autistic community who don't have any autistic people on their board of directors. Some of the big, big autism charities, right? So how the fuck are you gonna be an autism charity and you don't have autistic people in the room? Fuck you. And it's like, if you're an AIDS organization, how many people on your board of directors of this AIDS organization have AIDS? If the answer is zero, then fuck your organization because you're not actually representing what you're doing. You're just a bunch of people getting a paycheck and patting, patting themselves on the back to like, feel good about, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm not saying you're not doing maybe some good, but it's not real as far as I'm concerned. So it's like, This mental health shit people talk about, it's like, I know people that are like, oh, yeah, like, fuck everyone, mental health, that when I've come forward with my issues, have not been supportive. And that's fine. You don't have to be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not looking for anyone to be supportive. But I just don't like hypocrisy. That's what bothers me. So it's like, you know, if you're going to if you're going to talk the talk and not walk the walk, then it, it doesn't make sense. And-, and and that's just a starting place for learning. Everyone has the opportunity to learn. But the thing is, there's a movement with autism too in the autism community. Hashtag actually autistic. It's like if you want to learn about autism, go search on Twitter. Actually autistic hashtag and read posts from people who are actually autistic because we will tell you. What it is that we experience, how we experience life, what issues we have, what we love about our autism, what is difficult about it, and like what it's like to live as autistic people in a neurotypical world. We'll tell you, don't go on some big autism charity and read what they have to say from a board of directors that's not that doesn't have anyone on it who's autistic mm-hmm. so it's and it's the same thing. I don't want to hear about how to solve homelessness from a politician who's never been homeless, who comes from a rich family, who lives in a $1.5 million mansion in a fancy part of town. I don't want to hear that person's opinion on how to solve homelessness because that person has no fucking clue. I want to hear how to solve homelessness from homeless people. Go down and talk to them. They will all tell you what problems they have and how those problems can be solved and what they need. They will fucking tell you with their own mouths. And it's ridiculous that we don't listen to people about those problems. You know what I mean? So that's my opinion about that. It's just like, you know, I, a lot of people have great intentions and that's great. But when, you know, when, when rubber hits the road, what really matters is like actually um, working with the people who live it. You know, if you want to know what it's like to be depressed, go talk to someone with depression. They'll tell you all about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the other thing is, there's another thing is, is, you know, you got to believe people. Don't when, when people tell you what their experience is like, uh, what people want, at least what, what I know people want in, in, in the community of people with autism is, is patience and understanding. Be patient with us. Cause we're fucking trying. We really are. Uh, We can come across like dicks sometimes, but our, our hearts are gold. We just don't know how to do it, how to do this communication thing. We don't know how to do it. And sometimes we come across as as dicks and and, uh, so just patience. And like, we're trying, if I ask, if I got to ask you to explain something three different times, it's not cause I'm stupid. It's not cause I'm not trying to get it. It's just because whatever, whatever order the words are coming out of your mouth and then going into my brain, something's happening and it's not clicking. Uh, It's like having verbal dyslexia or something. It just sometimes doesn't work. So patience and then understanding. It's like, understand, you don't have to actually know what we go through, but understand that we are going through something. Yeah. And that's important. And I, 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 uh, um, um, and that, you know, and, and there's a thing too, where it's like, and understand that, like, we're not trying to make an excuse. Like, I've had to tell people say to me, "Oh, you're just trying to make an excuse—excuses for things." And I'm like, I don't want to be like this. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> I'm not making an excuse because I want to live a life that's hard. I'm explaining to you why I'm, this is hard. But believe me, if I could snap my fingers and make it easy for myself, I would, because it's been hard forever, and it's. And I know now that it's never going to not be hard, and that kind of sucks a bit. But I just have to learn to accept it and be okay with it and work with what I can. But I'm not trying to make it hard, and I'm not trying to make excuses. Um, And and I I, somebody said something to me a few months ago, uh, a manager that I work with, and she said, like, if we can all operate from a place of assuming that the people you're dealing with have the best of intentions and are trying their best, then all of our conversations are going to be different, right? Yeah. Like if you and I are working on something together and something's going wrong and things aren't really working and blah, blah, blah. I could be like, Oh man, fucking Shane. He's not fucking doing his part. He's not doing this and that. He's supposed to do this. And I thought he was going to do this, but he didn't do it yet. And you could be like, man, fucking Ryan was supposed to organize this part. He didn't do that. And he didn't show up till, he was fucking late that day and he wasn't there. And, well, and we could just do all that. Or we can assume, like we can assume that the other person either isn't trying or doesn't care. But if we uh, instead assume that the person does care and is trying their best, then I can go, Oh, Shane, Oh, it looks like he really struggled with this part of this thing. So I can talk to him and find out what part of that was challenging. And maybe there's a part that I can help with, or maybe, I could take that part on if he's struggling with it and he could take part of the thing I'm working on and we can, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you come at, you come at your conversations from a better place when you, when you make those two assumptions that people are, are, are trying their best and that they care. And, and as soon as you do that in your brain, then all of your conversations are going to be different than if, if you don't do that. And I, I, I just, I, that's a, I really love that. That's important for me. And it's something that, that I think, um, if we all did it would it would help fuck i rambled dude i'm sorry
0: okay, <laughs> man uh, so like how are you anyway
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's good to see you i got to tell you it's really good to see you man it's, it's been a good long time to see you, you, brother. you look good you got you got extra hands thanks up. man
0: yeah i've been uh, i've been working out i've been seeing your running videos i mean running pictures
1: yeah i'm trying i'm, I'm, I'm actually so training
0: fat. for um uh walk for deep depression on may 30th where's that in london they're How from london and uh they are raising money for day counseling here in london
1: for what counseling
0: Day counseling okay what's that for mental health okay so How long? um this year it's a it's a virtual virtual walk or run so you okay. have to do it on loan alone, alone. Okay. So yeah, just, I just, I've been pumping them him and- um, Nice. Yeah. It's been good, man.
1: Nice, I like it.
0: Yeah, what are you listening to now? Are you, are you listening to anything particular?
1: Gangster folk.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know, dude, you know what? I've, I've, been, I've been actually starting to write rhymes again. It's been, it's been like almost 10 years. So I've been starting to write rhymes again, and that's been pretty fun. But I'm listening to – I mean, I still listen to – I still listen to the shit I always listen to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Fucking classic 90s rap, but that's my that's my jam right there. Uh, you know, it doesn't really change. Um, there's a new, new – all the new rap. Like, I'll check it out here and there, but honestly, barely. Like, I don't – it's not for me, and I get that. Everyone would be like, "Oh, you gotta check out Kendrick, or you gotta check out this guy or that guy," and then I'll go listen to like three songs. I'm like, "Okay, I get it. Like, I Kendrick. I'm like, this guy's. I don't know. I guess he's awesome. It's just not for me. You know what I mean?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, And that's no diss. It's just I just don't get it. It's like I like. I like like rap that's kind of like just rapping on a beat. His shit's kind of like stop and start and blah blah blah. It sounds like spoken word poetry to me, and I'm like, I don't know. It. It doesn't do anything for me super talented guy obviously but other than that man i listen to a lot of um a lot of uh like i've always been really big into like 60s and 70s shit like folk and psychedelic and you know like the grateful dead and simon and garfunkel and yeah you know i love like chris Christopherson. you know that kind of shit just like good songwriting you know mhm good well I don't know if the dead is a good song right here or not, but
0: uh. <laughs> well, I meant to ask you, is London Music Hall where Ramos used to do Elementals? Cause that that, that the the back lot, the parking lot looks so familiar of when um
1: it was it was the it was the embassy.
0: Oh okay. Which okay. is burned now. Oh, okay, all right, because um, did I ever tell you the Necro story, Necro and Il Bill when we brought him down to London? No oh dude. So we did the show and um after the show uh was Jeff, Dan, my friend Tom, and I outside, and we had we brought some girls from from home with yeah. us, and Necro was trying to pick up one of the girls yeah and then jeff was like no 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 she's coming home with us she lives right down the street with us blah blah, blah. and um and then nick Ronil bill called us ass crackers <laughs> he got so pissed ass cracker yes so uh we were trying to joke about that on the way home but was, uh,
1: awesome. that was a good my disc. Only that's a
0: good this i DJ- did a hip hop show in london
1: that sounds like something dj moose would say fucking ass cracker
0: <laughs> But I did go to, to uh, London Music Hall for uh, for Mar, Johnny Mar. Oh,
1: my God. Oh, yeah. I don't even know who that is. Is it good?
0: Johnny Mar, he's from the Smiths.
1: Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Hello.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he, yeah, it was good. I like that venue. It, it brought back a lot of um, reverb vibes.
1: Yeah. It's a great venue. I had an amazing experience there um, just before my daughter was born. We went there. My partner was like eight and a half months pregnant you know and we went there to see edward sharp and the magnetic zeros which is a band i which is probably my favorite band like in the last 10 years you know what i mean like probably my favorite yeah easily my favorite band uh and i had been trying to see them forever and i kept getting tickets and then i couldn't go So that happened to me like three times in, in BC when I'm living out there, like they'd be coming, I'd get tickets to the show. And then last minute, some shit would happen where I couldn't go to the show. And I was so pissed. I was like, why the fuck the universe is not going to let me see this band. And then I was back here in Ontario and they played there and I got tickets, but I'm like, fuck, like she's like eight and a half months pregnant. I was like, there's no way this show's going to happen. Um, so the whole drive down, I'm just like, Are you okay? Are you okay? Are you all right? Like, how you feeling? Good, good. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, we're gonna end up having the baby, like in the concert. You know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, but they were it was a great venue, and I gotta I gotta give a shout out to the staff there. They were fucking wonderful. Like, we go up with our tickets to go in. The 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 woman at the counter like looks and sees she's out to hear, you know what I mean? Like, super pregnant. She's like, hey, would you like us to get you guys a stool so you can sit? We're like, oh, that's wonderful. Thanks. Like, where should we go? They're like, don't worry. We'll come find you. We walk in the venue. This bouncer guy just comes, finds us with a stool. And is like, here, so you can sit, which was super nice. Uh, We ended up sitting, actually, on what, you know, like the big columns, like posts in the venue. Mm -hmm. So we set up right, like, kind of so she could sit in front of one of those. And I could kind of stand sort of behind her so that she's sort of protected. You know what I mean? And then this other couple, the woman's like also super pregnant and we ended up sitting beside them. So they got her a stool too. So there's these two pregnant women sitting beside each other with this big column behind them. And the two guys on either side watching the concert. And it was just awesome. The staff were amazing. I I just couldn't believe it. They were super gracious and wonderful and it, it really made for a great experience. And, and then, yeah, yeah, we didn't have the baby at the show. We, we made it another, another couple of weeks, but, yeah.
0: And I guess your Volkfest Fest is not happening this year?
1: I don't know yet. I don't know. It's, uh, it's the last Sunday of September, so I haven't made any decisions yet. We'll kind of mm-hmm. see closer to it if we're allowed to, basically, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, all the other Volkswagen events this summer that I've seen have been canceled, so mine's kind of the last one of the season. Uh, It's like literally the last one People always say like they come to Vogue and then after That the, the bus or the Beal Goes in the garage for the winter You know Yeah. so the last One of the season so I'm going to hold out as long as I can Before making a decision Cool I'm,
0: I'm, I'm hoping I just it found can out happen. that I had tickets for a new order in depression Mode for September oh, Just found out yeah lawn seats Budweiser stage Labor Day weekend How no, long
1: was that? Dude, a new order in Depeche mode? Yes. Holy shit. That's amazing.
0: Yes, yeah, so 60 bucks for a ticket, too. Ooh, that's actually not bad. I know. That was like 30 bucks per group. Yeah. Yeah, so it's being postponed. So. Oh, really? I missed out uh, WrestleMania. I was supposed to go to WrestleMania Hall of Fame ceremony in Florida in March. Yeah. That got canceled. Um, my dad was supposed to get married. That got canceled. Damn. And now this has got postponed. So... We'll see Fun if- and
1: crazy. What, what's your take on all this
0: COVID right now. I think I was just telling a friend today, I think people are just over it and there's, yeah. they're like, they're putting down their hands and they're like, I don't care anymore. I'm not going to wear a mask. I'm not going to take care of myself. Yeah. And um, cause I, I live in a neighborhood and I saw a lot of barbecues on the weekend and I saw a lot of people going over to other people's homes. Yeah. Over the weekend. And I saw a big get together down the street at twelve o'clock after midnight doing fireworks. So wow. yeah, I mean that's not social distancing. No. And I think we'll see this more when the hot weather comes and long weekends come. Yeah. And people will be like, Yeah, come over. I don't care.
1: I think like I think back to when they were talking about the whole flat in the curb thing, and they're like, We can't, everyone's going to get it, but we're going to do this whole stay away from each other thing just to like flatten the curve so that we don't all get it at once. Right. But when you think back to that, now it's like everyone's talking about doing all this stuff, trying not to get it, but we're all going to get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're going to get it. At some point we might've already had it and not even know. I've had in the last two months, in the last two months that we've been you know doing this whole thing I've had like three colds you know my house has had a cold like we've all had a cold like twice where we've all had it yeah was that was that coronavirus I don't fucking know but none of us were sick enough to go to the hospital but everybody's gonna get this fucking thing so let's just fucking get it
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, let's just fucking get it. Yeah. So, like, back in January, my dad was coming back from Vegas. And he remembers...
1: other shit in Vegas.
0: He remembers the moment. Because we had a man pass him in the plane. And he coughed on him. Yeah. And my dad's a germaphobe. So, he knows when people... Like, when he gets those germs. Yeah. And, um... He left the plane, he left the airport, he got a cold. And my stepmom got a cold too. They were down with a flu for like three weeks. Wow. And, I, and, and this was like in January. And I told my dad, I remember it was like around that same time that COVID was starting to make a buzz. And I was like, dad, there's this new thing called COVID. Um, it's coming from China and this is what's going on. You should check it out. He goes. Yeah. And I swear, like my dad now thinks he had it.
1: Yeah, it could have been. It's crazy. I wish there was some way to just like get, like even like a like a test where they could just mail you a thing and you could swab something and mail it back and just get. It's up the nose, eh? Yeah, I've heard that. It goes in the nose and then it goes in your throat. Yeah. Hangs out there for a bit. So I don't know, man. This whole thing is so fucking weird to me. I don't know anything. Like I, I don't pretend to know. I'm just kind of. I've been laid off for two months. I've been hanging out with my daughter every day. I can't really complain. Yeah. I've been lucky uh if that, you know, that fucking SERB money came through, so I can I can eat, you know. But uh I certainly wouldn't mind working again and like tr- making actual money, you know. But at that's the same probably- time, I and I know and I, and I don't want to downplay like I'm it is serious and people are dying and that's obviously fucking terrible. Um I have an uncle who had it. He was in the hospital for three weeks. Um, He's like in his early eighties. He's all right. He's recovering now back at home. So, you know, it does hit close to home. Like that could have, that could have gone very bad. And he's very, somebody that I love very much. Who we're very close to, and and Mm -hmm. that would have been a tragedy for our family, you know? Uh, So I don't, I don't like take the whole thing lightly, but it's the same time. I think there's, there's a lot of weird shit going on, you know?
0: So before we wrap up, I was going to ask you, cause a lot of like, I'm a bar guy and I was just talking to my therapist last week. that I just miss the whole process of going to a bar and the simplicity of it. And just going to a bar t- to sitting at the bar and talking to the bartender and having a beer.
1: Yeah.
0: How is it going to change? Do you think?
1: Well, you know, it's really fucked up. Now they're talking about when they reopen
0: you're
1: going to have plexiglass between the bartender and the customers at the bar. So imagine a bar where there's a whole plexiglass along the bar and the stools have to be like six feet apart or something. What? So like at our bar, it's like, I've got, I don't know, 15, 12 or 15 stools along the bar. So we would have like four or three or something. You know what I mean? With this plexiglass between them. It's like, I don't want to fucking work there. You know what I mean? I don't want to work in that. I mean, I'll do it because we all got to do it. And we got to do what we got to do. and I, It's just, it's really going to be fucked up because I, I miss that exactly the thing you're saying. Like, I'm a bar guy, too. I'm a pub guy. I love just going to a pub, grabbing a stool at the bar, having a pint, doing the crossword puzzle, order a fucking burger, some wings, or whatever the fuck, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like having a couple of pints and shooting the shit with the bartender and you know, and you end up, you chat with other people that sit at the bar, you end up kind of, it's a whole little subculture, a whole little world. It's a whole little thing. And it's like, as as much as I um, have my social issues, like that particular vibe feels good for me and to do it in that way. And the thing that's cool about it is you can I always like going to a bar by myself, sitting at the bar and like having a newspaper and a crossword puzzle because you can kind of like engage with people or not. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like you can kind of, I love just sitting there with a pint and like doing my crossword puzzle and you can sort of hear the conversations around you and then maybe you kind of look up now and again and shoot a couple line, one liners back and forth with somebody And then you go back to your crossword puzzle. You know what I mean? Or you shoot the shit with the bartender a bit. And yeah, but I miss it, man. I really miss pub culture. It's like, it's a really big part of, uh, of, of, of who I am. And, and, and and like you, I I really miss it a lot. So I don't know. It's going to be weird. I'm like, I'm having these weird thoughts sometimes. Like, is there going to be a bar business to go back to? Yeah. Or, Or, or do I just go fucking become a lumberjack now? I don't know. You know, so if anyone out there is hiring lumberjacks, call <laughs> me.
0: <be>. Call Ryan. Call <laughs> the Fritz. Fritz the lumberjack.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, so one quick story before I go. Um, it's been a while, but um, speaking about you doing the bar, I remember this one blog you did uh, when you were working at Alex B. Keaton. Okay. About this, I don't know if you remember this, but there was two guys, two like teenage kids, or I guess they were nineteen. Yeah, but they came to order. They didn't know what to drink, and you had to recommend them a, a pitcher. And then they ended up running out on the tab. And oh, for real? Then, and then right. oh. you noticed that they ordered, they they uh, they bought by credit card. So you just rang up their tab with different beers. Oh, for real? Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so wait, so they had left their credit card, but then not pay their bill?
0: No, well something like that but you found out that you you had the credit card yeah right but they ran out so oh. um you still had the credit card and I guess that you like rang it out for different beers and you get like
1: <laughs> oh fuck I don't remember that at all but that sounds fucking funny I miss your blog man that's on my blog oh I gotta go back and, and find that <laughs> blog I'd love to read that again yeah. It's probably still online. I don't even know.
0: No, I was going to look for it today.
1: Yeah. Somebody just posted, like my buddy Peter Agostin. Do you know him? He's like a, uh, you might know him in music world. Like he was a music journalist and promoter and shit from, uh, from the States, but he did a lot of work up here in Canada too. But he just posted the other day. He's like, hey, anybody have like an old blog spot that like from years ago that's still up, like that we can read now, like to go back to, you know? I was like, yeah, dude, I have, I had an old blog spot, blog somewhere. Like I I couldn't even remember right now what it was even called, but I'm sure it's still on the internet, which is pretty funny.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I think I, I keep telling myself I got to start blogging again, but I
0: don't know. Yeah, dude. Like you, you know, seriously though, you're, you I love your writing because it's very short sentences and me being in radio and coming from the news background, We love those short sentences. So I really understood your writing.
1: Oh, for real. Huh? I never heard that before. Now I'm going to, now I'm going to, my first blog post is going to be like a 200 word run on sentence. I'm going to dedicate it to you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. My brother. Thank you so much, man.
1: Dude. So good to see you, man. Holy shit. We're we're getting old. You're getting better looking. I'm getting fat, but you know we're fine. We're we're doing okay.
0: Oh, I'm I got a tummy, man. Don't worry about it. It's we're all
1: we're uh, we're still balling.
0: I went to my 20 year anniversary um, reunion thing at uh, Waldorf, where Anna yeah. Anna went, and um. Where what? Where Anna and Easton Hay went. Oh, for real? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, you didn't know that? Yeah, we went to same school. That's why I know you Phil. Waldorf school. Yeah. Fuck. That's why you guys are both so cool. <laughs> and uh i was sitting down with a friend of mine and uh he was sitting next to me and he's like we're in the music room he's like this place shrunk and i said no my guts our guts just got bigger (laughs) (laughs) for sure but we have to get together man soon we're so close
1: yeah i was just gonna say that as soon as this whole shit's done and, and we're able to man like i'll we'll uh we'll definitely we'll go um we'll go belly up to a bar somewhere and knock down a pint or two for sure brother. Yeah.
0: All right, man. Thank you so much.
1: All right, homie. Thank you, dude. I love you, man. Take the, all, all the you best. Too. Peace. Peace.
2: Hey, everybody. This is Ryan. Thanks so much for listening. And uh, I hope you got something out of this show. If you'd like to support this podcast, please do so. You can find us on all social medias at The Life Autistic. Um, Look for us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff. Please like, comment, share, send us questions. Podcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support this podcast, please reach out. We are uh, setting up a patreon account soon for those who would like to support we've had a few people uh, a number of people message and uh, ask me how they can support this podcast which is much appreciated and I do currently have something set up on the site called buy me a coffee where you can uh, throw a few bucks our way to help us with producing the show so anyway again thanks for listening reach out would love to hear from you and take care peace the life autistic